0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to the primal blueprint podcast. If you're listening to this episode, it is also a video episode as well on YouTube. So we will put the link in the show notes to that. Today, my guest is Selena Gray, you can go to selenagray.com. And that's g r a y. First name s e l i n a selenagray.com. She helps entrepreneurs call in more revenue and release shame around money. Wow, Selena, I'm glad you're here because so many people have got issues with money. I know I did. I still think there's some some I got to get over. Let's go through this. Um, first of all, welcome and tell us, how did you get into this? Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this topic because it's an unspoken in our society. It's always been, you know, a generational don't have open money conversations, put it under the rug. And that's Certainly, how I grew up—it was, you know, a small town in Canada where I grew up, and it was, you know, middle-class family. And my mom would say, you know, she bought something for twenty dollars, and I was always curious about money, and I'd say, no, it's nineteen ninety-seven, and she'd, you know, give me an eye roll and be like, "What is wrong with this kid?" You know, I was really interested in numbers, and I just realized through the course of my life that most people have problems with money and numbers. And so through my childhood, I started getting curious and I started taking on odd jobs. I grew up in the eighties, so there was no hustler term back then, but I certainly was a hustler. I had all the odd jobs and I really loved to to have money because I knew early on it gave me some freedom. And I think that that really sparked my curiosity. And as I grew up, I started, you know, taking on more and more money and I had some you know traumatic events like we all do around money but couldn't talk to anyone about it so it just became you know something within me that rose up and rose up and my very first you know real job if you will i was a really an overachiever from birth that's like imprinted in my dna i became a controller for an international oil and gas company at the age of 23 and so i flew across uh, the globe from canada to africa and i landed in my new role and was like completely amazed at how you know hard work and dedication got me to the other side of the world at a young age and i was like immediately excited about the opportunity to have wealth and earn income and you know fast forward a good 7 years of overworking 120 hour work weeks and you know really becoming obsessive about wealth and ending up in the hospital for over 20 days with IV steroids and and blood transfusions, my doctor came into my room and said, Selena, your career is over. And at that point, you know, my entire life had been about praise and power and amassing wealth because I wanted to retire early. I had big dreams and all of those dreams came crashing down. And it was through that experience that I really became awoken to my unhealthy relationship to money. And I started, you know, post hospital researching this concept of wealth and how we all have it wrong. And I stumbled around, across the words conscious wealth. And from that moment on in 2011, I became really dedicated. I dedicated my life and my career and entrepreneurship towards diving into this topic of relationship to money. I'm a formally trained CPA. I've been a CPA for many years. And I just realized through my formal numbers training, we never talked about beyond the numbers, the impact of money in relationships, the impact of money in careers. And so through that process from 2011 onwards, I've really dived into this topic. So that's a long-winded opening. But what I'm saying is money's unspoken. It took me, you know, really a long time, 28 years of my life to realize I have this all wrong. Money is not about numbers. It's about something else. And I really want others to, to learn the same. So,
0: and And this is why lottery winners, 90, like 9% of them all lose their money. It's not because they're total dummies about it. The total dummy stuff about it is usually related to like, they they have some guilt or there's issues about it or they don't feel they deserve it or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's not all strictly numbers. You're right. And I, you have a list on your website of, of things that are like, you might have a problem with money if, you know, these are things. And I, I, I want to, any money conversations in any way. This would bother me because I never wanted to look and deal with money. I hate it. I don't like math. I don't want to bother with it. So my oh. problem was always like, if someone brought up in my family, like, "Hey, you should really like do a budget," I'm like, I don't want to. I'd get like angry. I wouldn't want to talk about it. I was just avoiding it, you, to- you know. So I know we we avoid it. We avoid the conversations. And then there's um, so many others. Let's go into a, a couple of them because that's an obvious one, but. Some, the one that's I think could be a lot for people is not feeling worthy of a partner because you aren't worth enough. Like, well, why would they want to be with me? I don't have enough money.
1: Can we talk yeah, about I mean, that one a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. There's layers of money mindset. And I think first and foremost, we have to recognize that our relationship with money started out from the moment of birth and it's going to continue on with us you know, all the way until our life ends. And that may sound morbid, but it's really important for us to recognize that it's hard for us to have a really, you know, open, well-communicated experience with another human unless we can do that and show it for ourselves. So number one, when we're thinking about our relationships in addition to, you know, like tough conversations or fighting, we also have to remember that there's an identity, how we feel about ourselves, our own worthiness. And I often speak of the term inner richness. And what I mean about that is really connecting to a positive sense of self, and that's our worthiness. And if we're not able to understand that just because we are human and we are worthy it's hard for us to see our value through the lens of a relationship whether that's a career whether that's love any type of relationship it's hard for us to grasp and so for anyone listening if you feel super charged about money it's often connected to worthiness in some way shape or form and it's often connected to our past i take clients through an exercise called the money timeline and what it is it's just getting acquainted with our experiences that we're both positive and negative throughout our life, especially in those formative years where our brain created automatic programming with, you know, neurons. So we really wanted to to get clear on why we're saying to ourselves, I can't afford that. You know, those neural pathways have just created automations for us and we may not want that. And so if we're like, Nope, I'm not worthy. There's somewhere in our past where that originated. And we've not been taught to think that way about money. There's somewhere, you know, our perception of an experience that imprinted within us that we're not worthy. And that is now in the lens of our reality today. So when we're thinking about money in a global sense, it's much deeper than numbers. So as it relates to our relationships, We have to take stock of how we feel about our own worth. And that's foundational money work for me. And part of that work is just to start paying attention to how we speak to ourselves. Like if we're, you know, doing something for other people, asking why, you know, why we always want to help others. And are we willing to do that same thing for ourselves? And, you know, just Getting a level of awareness, because it's not intuitive. We've not been taught to think about money as an inner richness, as a worthiness, but it's foundational because then we can start understanding why we don't like budgets and other things, because it's all interconnected. And relationship to self is the very first one before we can really honor relationships with other people.
0: Really, really well said. Um, the other one that I think is funny is, again, like feeling uh, you, you bring up, you know, teaching that money is evil or rich people are bad or evil and you know I remember this comment of uh, it was like someone's friend's mother they were walking by a, um, a marina and there was a very expensive yacht you know one of those like multi and they, they were just like must be nice yeah. and it's kind of like that comment is the reason you're never going to have a yacht like that right because it's this belief system that you have about like oh that must be nice for them like and that's really saying like they, they have it I can't or I feel they're frivolous to buy that yacht. You're judging the way other people spend their money. I think that's one thing people don't look at. Like if you're looking around going, that's so dumb, I can't believe they like if I had that money, I would, it's like, oh boy, check yourself, right?
1: Yes. And it's an automatic separateness that those people are somehow different from us. And I think that is the real belief system. It goes again back to the worthiness. Like our auto response is must be nice. But what's the emotion behind that? And often it's sadness or disassociation from our our own worthiness. Like that could never be my life. We don't allow ourselves to dream. If we did a poll of 100 people walking by that yacht be very interesting to see how many of them would be like, Oh, that's going to be me someday, because that's not intuitive in our society. And what I really practice in the concept of honoring our connection to currency is getting clear about those beliefs and where they began. So likely someone in that family unit, that core family unit, a parent or a grandparent may have said, you know, Oh, must be nice for those rich people to do X, Y, Z. And that continued on. Maybe that became something you noticed. It was part of the family language, or there was just a separateness. Like, we're different from rich people, and therefore they're bad because we fear what we don't know. And so it's getting curious about that languaging and to say, like, maybe a yacht is too far away. But what if I just thought, what would it feel like to be a wealthy person? How would I show up? What would that lack of separateness feel like? What could it feel like to be whole? And for a lot of people, when they think about wealth being something bad, there's a disassociation from worth. So what if you allowed yourself to think, wow, If I had that money, I could give more and create a ripple effect. Like maybe I could have a yacht, but then I can also show up for other people because there's often association with rich people just hoarding money. And so you can recreate what wealth means. And it's just a definition of your own. So I love that yacht um, reference because... For for everyone I, listening to this, I want you to think about what your first gut reaction was to the yacht experience, and and not to shame it one way or the other. Just get curious about like oh where have I heard this before? Is that, you know, my mom's voice or my uncle's voice and and not to shame it, but to get curious because that's how we start understanding our money programming, which just lives in our subconscious mind, that automatic pro- programming I'm speaking of, we can start paying attention to it and saying like, is this something I want to actually think? We forget that we have a choice in this, that we can start saying like, wow, what if I'm just like amazing for them? You know, amazing for them. And I hope they're spreading so much good with that wealth. I know I would. And what would it look like for me? And allow yourself to dream because we create this energetic ceiling in our thinking about what's possible for us. And if we create separateness with rich people not being us and ourselves, it it can become fear-based. And so what if we allow ourselves to dream and remove that ceiling and just get curious? It doesn't automatically create a difference. But that opens the conversation. It opens the door to new thinking. And that's what inner richness is about.
0: That, yeah, that's amazing. And also, too, this one is interesting. Uh, if you're afraid what your community will think, if you stop being a, quote, starving artist, you can insert any job identity that's linked to struggle, low compensation. And again, this is the thing for alphas in general, there's a struggle life cycle, but sometimes people, it doesn't matter what area of your life is, you might have a belief about struggle in that area. Like relationships are always a struggle then they continue to be, and you attract that same with money. So let's talk about this concept of struggle. And also again, this I would say, hey, you know, what do the people think of you as none of your business and go, go rock it. But again, if you're part of this community, let's say everyone's poor and now you're starting a business, you're starting to get very successful, you might feel this disconnect. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. And this separateness again. And yeah. there's an inherent level of belonging that we all have. And money is already spoken in our society. So if we're we're too different with money and we if we've grown up in a community where we really value creativity, or we really feel like we have to give everything away because that's another component of that, we're often missing the point that the more we have, the more we can give and that ripple effect is limitless. And so for anyone feeling that way, come back home to what you feel is possible for you. Often there's a ceiling, like I spoke about earlier. There's a ceiling when we're earning in a specific job and it's like creativity or money it's one or the other and why can't we have both what would it look like if we had both and it's also a a matter of whose opinion you're listening to and often we don't think about ourselves like I've had plenty of clients who you know left professions like being a lawyer, for example, to go do photography. And part of that was a conscious choice. They knew they were leaving money to go into photography, something they loved. But what they forgot about was that you don't have to give up money. Who says that anyways? You know, it's become something of an expectation that if you're happy, there can't be money associated with it. Like she was choosing creativity. And so we just started questioning that saying like, well, why can't you have both? And I want you to ask that for yourself. What's blocking you from it. And and it's often societal pressure. It's, it's this expectation that we have to be creative, but we can't have happiness. And if we can intertwine what that looks like, and then find someone to model who's done it as well, look for someone who's like a actually accomplished it or get a mentor or a money mindset coach to really link into that worthiness to link in to what's possible because it's hard to do these things alone if we're surrounded by community members who have the exact same mindset than us it's hard to break free of that but key to all of it is understanding that it's possible and there's an opportunity for worthiness for us, that we deserve it, that we deserve to have money and money is not bad. There's an underlying link there that if we value money, we're bad, or if we value money, we can't go after our dreams. And so understanding that disconnect from self, that disconnect in community and just saying like, what would it look like for me to have both? so that we can start visualizing what's possible for us and then finding community members who've already had that be their reality and striving towards it so it feels more possible, I think is really imperative. And the relationship to money is an ongoing process. It's an understanding of our beliefs, which ones we wanna keep and which ones we wanna release. And, And these types of questions are imperative for us all because that ceiling that we have in our mind with money it really guides us. If we discount something immediately saying like, oh, well, that's too much money because I'm in a creative field. You know, I can't charge that. That's that's way too much. Who's saying that and why? And why can't you go after it? So step one for me is always acknowledging that we're these things are living within us. And step two is to say, is this something I want to continue to do? Because the richness lives within. And like you said, we we don't always have to look to external places. We, no, we have to go within and say, what do I really want? Because there's an underlying restlessness within all of us to go after what we were destined to do. And if we don't listen to it, the universe comes by with those cosmic two by fours. And that's exactly what happened in my life. You know, I was going after external validation. I was going after money and wealth and I wasn't living my truth. And the universe was like, wait a second, we're going to smack you in the head until you get this. And so if you've been living in a world where that two-boy four is coming at you, start asking yourself questions like, what is this teaching me? Is there a lesson from this? And how is it connected to my relationship with money? Which is Simply my relationship with self, the energy I have with something, the creativity I possess, the energy of wanting more, all of that is within us and we've not been taught to foster it. So if you're in a creative field, celebrate it and then ask yourself, what can I do with more? And if the immediate feeling is negative, go, "Hmm, where does that live and why did it get there? And if it's positive, continue to foster that.
0: You know, I had a a mini one come up not too long ago Even though I'm a coach, we hire coaches too, right? Coaches need coaches sometimes. Sometimes, you know, even though I have coaches that are friends, I want to actually give money and have the exchange to someone who's a professional and does it because they're really going to do the work with me versus a friend who might chat for a little bit. But, you know, they're going to really do the work. So... There were some things that I kind of wanted to manifest and I hired a law of attraction coach. I already do the law of attraction. I know it. I had a moment. She told me how much. And as I pressed the paid button, I did have a moment where I was like, is this like kind of great? I mean, like I already, you know, I could do this myself. Is this kind of a waste? I I had a little couple of seconds of judging it and then feeling like, "Uh, you know, I shouldn't be doing this right now. This is like a, just a extra thing. Like, come on. And then literally I just went, hold on a minute. And I said to myself, No, you're investing in you. This shit's gonna come back twofold. Yes. The next day, it did. I got a bunch of new clients and it equaled the money that I paid for the coach. I'm not surprised, but I have also adopted that belief system, right? But again, well, I had to switch that from, I, I don't like, there's some kind of deserving there or judging it on whether it was right or right timing or worthwhile or whether it was worth it. Again, putting this value on it. And then I had to go, No, here's the value I'm investing in myself. And it's yes. gonna come back. And it did right away because I changed my mindset in that moment. But listen, not that this stuff's still gonna not pop up, but you have to observe it that, will. right? Because I was observing. I'm like, wait, why am I no, hold on, no, no I'm investing myself.
1: Through it. it, it could have easily have taken you out. You'd not invested in it, and it would have shifted your energy. I'd love totally. to talk about that for a second because yeah. I feel like for a lot of us, we're like, no, we can do it on our own. You know, we don't want to hire out the help or all those things. And especially as entrepreneurs, we need to stay in our zone of excellence, our stone zone of genius. It keeps our energy flowing. It keeps us high vibe. It helps us attract our clients. Like we're speaking about with law of attraction, but when we're going to invest, there can be that like you say, belief system that comes up, the old programming that's like, eh, do we really need it? And I I love to have my clients do this to so just create a little checklist. You can do it in your smartphone, whatever it is, to remind yourself that you are worthy and to come back to like, why am I doing this? And often if we're just exchanging services with maybe a friend, but there's no money exchanged, there's a difference. We don't show up the same. And I like to say when we put the money you know, in, there's there's skin in the game we show up with different energy and we are also paying for a learning curve or to go warp speed or some level of accountability or a specific mindset tool or a strategy and all of that together can really get us to the next place of our own growth as a coach or as you know an entrepreneur and that's the critical piece about investing in ourselves if we're only allowing the money to stop us What are we losing on the other side of that exchange? You know, we, we really want to create a checklist to be like, what's, what's happening here for me with my worthiness, if I don't want to invest, because what will change if you don't invest pretty much nothing, because we would have been able to accomplish what we're doing. We can't get to that next place doing what we're doing now. It's just something we want to consider with investing. So I love what you said there, having accountability, really revising our belief system and investing in ourselves can really catapult us to the next level, but we may not be able to do it if our our awareness around our own money blocks are really stopping us.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the exchange. So this has happened, okay, so like as a thyroid author and in general a coach, uh, there are plenty of other people I've even interviewed that have thyroid problems and then of course they want my advice, they want me to look at their labs and the next thing you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all of these free favors for like all of these people that are kind of strangers, not like my best friend. So I was like, well, I got to go back to remembering this woman who invented the word hypnobirthing for hypnosis and birthing. It was Michelle Claire O'Neill. She's great. She's in her 70s now. But she always used to say she would work with underprivileged youth and teen pregnancy and stuff like that. She goes, I don't care how much money they had. I would make them hand me the dollar. And I remembered that and I thought I'm going to have to start doing it. So I did. I had a couple of people I interviewed. They had thyroid problems. And I said, hey, look. If you if you can't pay my rate, that's cool. I'm happy to give you like the 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 co-authored you know buddy interview kind of podcasting yeah. discount, but there has to be an exchange of money. So you know how about this? And maybe it's a non nominal amount. It happened today with a friend who's uh, a good friend whose wife's going through some thyroid stuff, and I and they're they're dealing with the pandemic and they're living off their savings. And I said. Five bucks, but we just need something. I don't care. I don't care how dumb it is, but I I need an exchange. And they're like, we can do more. I'm like, don't worry. I know you're something, just, but I need an exchange. And it feels so much better to do that, just to have the vibrational exchange, even if it's a nominal amount. So I'm kind of glad you mentioned that because the people out there who are coaches and entrepreneurs, this is something worthwhile.
1: And the energy is critical. You know, even when we're working on an offering as a coach or an entrepreneur and we're putting together a package, and if we're thinking, Oh, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna buy this. Or we're like, I need 20 people to buy this. And you're attaching that urgent energy to what you're creating. It, it repels people. Money is simply a reflection of, of who we are, where we're at. And so if we're building something and you really believe in it and you the value proposition of what you're putting out is priced correctly and the value coming in of what they're buying, it feels really good. And so that exchange you speak of is imperative. When we're exchanging money, it changes the energy of what we're doing. But as a coach, we also want to be pricing correctly. Like What you said was brilliant. You're like, look, they might be in a you know a situation where they can't put all of the money towards my fair market value pricing. Well, you may decide as a coach to have you know a couple scholarship tickets, you know, but have some skin in the game for them, and then really come back to your own worth and say like, am I? Is that? scholarship offering enough and then really make sure the rest of your offering you're charging your worth because that value proposition of like what you give as a coach to what you receive for value in your company is important because that's where we can fall into those mind traps too of over giving you know and that is
0: such a classic alpha female pitfall and it's one that I've had to get out of I'm a naturally helpful person I like super connecting Mm -hmm. people and helping you know people achieve things but again it's um I, I just had to make that it was happening too much and it didn't feel right to do it for free. But you know what? Even if it was like one person, I was like, I only charged them 20 bucks, which is, you know, nothing compared to my rate. And, uh, it still felt that felt so good to just, it, that felt right. That I got something for my time. There was a vibrational shift versus me walking away and being like, God, just another hour or two. And, uh, you know, yeah,
1: and then you're resentful, you know, right. and, and that just some- my fault, not theirs. Yeah. Yeah, and it can create some trauma for you in your money story because you're like, right. why will I continue to do this? Because it makes me feel resentful and and lacks boundaries, and that's an important piece in our relationship to money. If we're continuing to see resentment as a coach or as an entrepreneur, it's an invitation to really review our money boundaries and yes. our general boundaries. Cause energy vampire clients are the same. You know, we, we want to have that value proposition of how we show up and the value people receive to be appropriate. And so that too is related to our money. And you may say that doesn't feel connected, but I help women entrepreneurs. I run your long masterminds around this, you know, as we continue to build up our, our own worthiness how who we attract and how we have boundaries around this is imperative. So for everyone listening, you know, charge your worth and do the work around that because it gives other people permission to do the same and to receive what's appropriate for the value given.
0: And they will take it way more seriously when they're paying for it, no matter what. That is 100% the truth. Um, yeah. I helped someone a long time ago who was sort of a friend of a friend, sort of the beginning of my coaching And it ended up, if I added it over time, oh my gosh, I regretted not charging them something. And they didn't take it seriously for lots of the times. But again, it was like a friend of a family member, you know. and I said to myself, no, I'm not gonna do that again. I'm not going to get into that, (laughs) roped into that again. I
1: wanna say one more thing on that. Often we can take on other people's money story. And what I mean by that is we can say like, oh, well, they may not have enough funds. I'm not gonna charge them X, Y, Z. And we can come up with a lot of, excuses why we sh- would shouldn't charge our worth. And I'm not saying this is universal, but certainly something to think about. Sure. I've had clients before where they're, you know, building up a you know the second year of their business and they're like, oh, I'm not really sure if I should send this invoice. And I'll say to them, like, whose money story is that? Are you taking on their money story? You know, you can always have money conversations with clients, with your spouse, with your kids, anyone, because it helps understand where people sit and you don't want to take on other people's stories. We want to honor the exchange and the value given in it so we can spin out in that. So I just wanted to wrap that with a bow to say like, be cognizant of how we're receiving information from others, too. We don't want to make up money stories from other people. If that's their truth, then fine. You know, you can meet that where it is and problem solve. But we can do some tricky things with money. We can make up stories about our own worth. And it's it's coming back to that, like, is this honoring me? I think that's imperative for us all in our relationship with money to say, like, is this in my highest and best? Is this in my client's highest and best? What honors me? Or is this a wound that needs to be healed? Is this something that's inviting me to, to see a result and learn from it? And that's, that's important as a entrepreneur, because I've, I've said this many times, there's nothing like owning our own business to have our wounds thrown up in our face, right? Like they don't, they don't teach us how to run cash flow and charge our worth. And then you're managing all these different moving parts. And we only have so much energy and it, with our relationship to money, we have to be very conscious about how we're expending that energy. You know, every day we only have so much energy and and honoring our boundaries, you know, listening to how we're showing up for our clients. Those relationships, it's all tied to how we value ourselves and our own worthiness. It's all relationship to money work.
0: This is. I'm gonna. I'm like. I'm gonna have to go through one of your programs. I'm gonna do one of these things. Um. I because I love. I love this topic, and I just think that again, the more you're fueled it in by an expert such as you, the better you're gonna get at it. Even though you can think you can tackle it alone, sometimes on these things you can't because it's not my area of expertise. It's my least area of expertise is yours. Um, and I'm sure thyroid is your, is your least thing or yes, whatever. But exactly um, what, what are some other things we need to think about? I mean, we have this, you know, list of like, okay, you know, there's people who like, no matter how much they make, they can't keep a positive balance or they make all this money, but it's never enough. You know, there's lots of these stories. What are some things that aside from working with you and we'll get to like all the things that you offer because you're so amazing. And I, I think a lot of people listening would be like, oh man, I need her. Um, but what are some things we can start to do now? You know, we can look at relationship to money or our comments about money. What are some other practical sort of tips and tricks that we can, you know, three to five that we can think about now to go, all right, I need to get my money shit together.
1: Yeah. I love this because it's, it's mindset, but it's also strategy based. So when I, when we first started this discussion, I heard you say like, oh, you know, budget and then you like seize up all, all the way, you know? So one of the things I'd love for everyone to think about is your relationship to the word budget, because. We've been taught to see a budget as restrictive and that it it takes away all the fun. And I, I once had a client rename the word budget and connect their spending only to joy. And I say this like with a caveat. So how I believe we should spend is a direct reflection of how we choose to love ourselves. And I want to say that again, how you're choosing to spend and nourish your life is how you're choosing to love yourself. So I want you to start paying attention to how you're spending. Simply, you could record it for a week or a day and note down everything you're spending and then attribute whether it brings you joy or not. And start being really cognizant to the emotions around your money, more so than the numbers. So For example, a lot of financial experts are like, cut out that Starbucks, you know, because by the end of 20 years, you'll have X amount of dollars. And I'm not saying that's not valid because it absolutely is. But money is more emotional than that. And I want us to still have simple joys. So if you're someone who needs to save everything, especially in the climate that we're living now with economics, et cetera, allow yourself some joy. And don't allow you to be impacted by anyone else. Like decide which number you're willing to give yourself monthly. If
0: it's $5 and enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, and enjoy then, that one Starbucks latte, damn it. Maybe you don't do it every day, but get it in there. Yeah,
1: yes, and start paying attention to your relationship with numbers. So watch that spending. And then if you're an entrepreneur or even if you're in a career, every time money enters your life, I want you to celebrate it. So that's a tip number two. So one of the things that I really love is, you know, the other day I had a friend drop off a bouquet of flowers to my front door. And normally, of course that brings you joy, but I took a second to send her blessings and just bless the abundance that entered my life. Fresh nature, flowers, money is in all things. You know, when a client buys your $7 tripwire in your course, Take a moment when that PayPal link comes in. Say their name out loud. Send them a blessing, and it doesn't have to be, you know, anything more than thank you for trusting in me. I hope everything in my course brings you the value you hope to receive.
0: And it sends. I an, love this. Love this.
1: It sends an energetic force out to them. And I had a client who um, was in the U.S. and she was really overwhelmed in, in the busyness of her luxury skincare line, and she was reaching a point where it felt hard to package everything. And then, you know, with that heaviness, her sales started to slow. And I said, let's just take a pause. And every time someone buys, we're just going to send them blessings. And then you're going to bless the box that you ship out. And in one day she got $7,000 extra in sales. She's like, wow, this works. She's like, I'm a believer. And these are the things we can expect cannot explain, but the strategy is to show up with intention to just be in gratitude, to thank people. And then the opposite side, when we're shopping, you know, we're getting our organic food to nourish our body. Do the same thing. Give thanks for the beautiful meal you're going to have with that food. And start thinking about how you spend and if it's nourishing your life, if it's choosing to love. And if it's not, we can feel really constricted by our limitations in spending, like maybe you have a house that you felt you needed. Some people through this experience realize, no, I just want a tiny apartment. I don't need a big house because it's it's more than numbers. And I'm not saying you all have to sell your houses, but I want you to start paying attention to when someone buys your program or, you know, decides to engage with you as an entrepreneur or you receive your paycheck as a career person, just give a blessing and say thank you, you know, and start doing random joy. Like you can start smiling at people on the street. I love that experiment. It's literally abundance. It's positive energy. Start tracking how that shows up in your life. So those are some like, you know, strategic. You know
0: what I love on that note is uh, made me think of, uh, I got this one from Cassie Parks, but sometimes like, let's say someone gives you something, right? Uh, Not even as a gift, just like, oh, I, you know, I have this extra thing I didn't need or whatever. And you're like, oh my God, I've been wanting a pan like that to cook with. Add it up. Yes. You know, because uh, so sometimes, like you know, being an influencer, right? In general, I don't really rep a lot of. I mean, there's only really two companies that I, you know, I, I. But people are offering free stuff all the time, and occasionally, you know, I'll try something, and if I like it, I mm-hmm. like it. But I'm not just going to promote stuff I don't care about or don't like. Yeah, but sometimes alignment. the stuff, huh?
1: Feeling aligned?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I'm feeling aligned, but you know, sometimes I'm not. But still, I might get something, and regardless of whether I like it or not, I'm always just like I might even look it up online if there's a website to see the value of it and be like, oh my gosh. I just got a free fifty bucks today, or like you know, just things yep. like that. I think this is really good to put those things in terms of money too. If that may, you know, and and don't ever forget too. Like if if it
1: doesn't feel aligned for you, and maybe you gift it to your friend or you you leave it in a donation pile. Remember that someone else will feel joy from that. And I've had a client do this where you know maybe you're at the coffee shop and you're gonna pay for two coffees and tell the barista like. You know, if someone's looking like they're having a down day, just let them have this coffee, um, you know, on me. And I've had clients where literally the the woman would come in and be like, Oh, I've, you know, I lost my husband. This coffee means more to me than you'll ever know. And so we never know the ripple effect of good around money. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be tremendous value in other ways. And so don't judge how money enters your life, celebrate it. That's a really critical thing and decide how you choose to love yourself with money, but start honoring the part of you who resists tracking numbers, like start automating and using, you know, things like mint.com, things like that to help you track your money, because We're we're meant to to function with money in a very honorable, nourishing way. But if we're resisting looking at money, it's appropriate to get curious about it. We don't have to like every system, but I I encourage you to start really getting clear with the numbers because that's from a place of power. That's a place of wealth and not just from a numbers perspective, but honoring the part of you who wants to feel rich inside we have to get right with our numbers and start picturing yourself in this way of, of like, how can money enter my life? Have it become a ritual that you're going to start checking in on your bank balances every day and watch the emotion that comes up and get curious about it instead of shaming yourself and just have a little fun. That's my last tip. Like don't take money so seriously. We've been taught that when money enters our life, if it leaves, it's never coming back. That's not true. Money is around us in all forms. So if, if you've had, you know, a situation where you lost $10,000 for some reason, we often think it can't come back to us. That's not true. You know, lean into your gifts, start brainstorming ways that you can, you can welcome money in your life inside my 12 month program. When the pandemic hit this year, You know, we're like, oh my goodness, what's happening? And one of the ladies was like, now's the time. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to really step into my truth. And she did, you know, a $25,000 launch when everyone was saying it's not possible. And so why I'm bringing this up is we're only limited by the power of ourselves and the power of our mind. Exactly. So when we're working on practical money tips, just be really aware of how you use money to nourish yourself. Start paying attention to those numbers get the budget, a new name. I had a client who named their budget Gertrude because it was their favorite aunt and made them happy when they thought of it, you know, pick your own start, you know, really celebrating how money enters your life. Give blessings out to people who are in an exchange of money with you leverage systems wherever possible. And I want every single person to have a dream team. a financial dream team. We spoke about this briefly earlier, but It's costing you too much to not stay in your zone of genius. You know, if you're working at home right now and you're looking over at that laundry pile and you're like, well, I should do the laundry, you know, really decide what your skills are. Own them if you're an entrepreneur and hire those other things out because you can earn so much more in your zone of genius, you can, you know, stay in that positive flow energy. And then you're supporting other entrepreneurs too. That cleaning lady has a business, you know, or that cleaning person has a business, whatever it is, the ripple effect is so much bigger than us and, and really establish how you feel about what wealth means to you because you can change it. Richness lives within. And so deciding how you spend it, who's your love to love yourself, really getting clear on what numbers mean, that's a good first step. It's a level of awareness. And my favorite thing about money is that every morning you wake up, you can redecide your relationship. It's, you know, a new day, even if you have tremendous debt. I've had people wipe out debt in you know minutes basically, if they decided like I've had clients say they don't want to do retreats anymore great. What do you want to do? And take that energy into something else and wipe out debt. You know, it's, it's really, it sounds easy. It is easy. It's simple, but it's hard to execute. So money, the biggest thing for me is your mindset. Start leaning into your worth and paying attention to how money nourishes your life and where you feel blocked. Get curious, get curious about that and say, is this something I want to keep? Start shifting your wording from, I can't afford that to "I." buy things that I value. And so that can help shift. Like, if do I value this great, then I can afford it. That creates energetic ceilings. So there's a few little practical tips mixed in with some mindset work that are easy to execute and you can continue to track your results.
0: Tell us. Um, I mean, obviously we can go to selenagray.com. We'll put everything in the show notes. How can we work with you? Do you work one-on-one? Is it just a course? Give a, give me a rundown of what you got available because I I, I definitely will want to jump in on one of these things.
1: Thank you so much. So you can come find me at Selena G money. I also have a free Facebook group called she's a money boss. So any of the ladies who have uh, entrepreneurship in their horizon or in their truth, come join us there. But Where my specialty lies is relationship with money, especially as it relates to the entrepreneur. So I do DIY courses, you know, relationship to money, Money Boss Academy, Calling in Abundance. Those are my digital courses. But I also have year-long programs for women entrepreneurs. So my Wealth Accelerator, it's a transformational thing where we have women who join who may be cash flowing, you know, six figures or seven figures, but are just blocked. I've had a a gal in there. She made $500,000 a year, but couldn't find the funds to pay herself and that's a critical thing at every level we go through different growth stages and so i've had the gamut of people just starting their business to multiple seven figures and the critical piece is honoring the money work along with the business work making sure we have that financial dream team like a bookkeeper and a CPA and a lawyer to review our contracts that helps keep us in our power. I alluded to the dream team before that's what I was referring to. So inside that year long container, it creates transformation where women just catapult. And then I do small men's groups as well to help them like really work on that money mindset. And so I've got various levels of that accelerator. That's where my heart and soul lives. I love serving those women so much. And then lastly, I take a couple of one-on-one transformations per year. It's a six-month experience where we go all through those belief systems. We dig into, you know, where, where are some of those foundational traumas lived in in childhood and work our way to how we can start honoring life. And I want to just say a couple of things. Like, we forget what's possible in our relationship to money. We think that's for someone else and not us. And what I've witnessed after working with thousands of amazing humans over the last, you know, nine years is that anything is possible. I've had people create a business in a few short years, get to three hundred thousand. Now we're getting close to two million two years later. Like, and that person didn't think that they were ever going to be able to do that. So wherever you are today, be gentle with yourself. Start following your joy. You know, lean into that accountability. Start paying attention to your money mindset. Find a community that is doing the work alongside you. Keep listening to this podcast, keep leaning in. And that's just my hope for all people is that we need to lift the veil on how we view money. And I am just dedicated to crushing that because when we get that, that really connection is currency piece everything changes our personal life becomes more harmonious we nourish our spending and our business blasts off and we can earn but we need the systems to catch the profit so that it helps you know not only us but people who who are our clients or you know other people whom we may be giving charitable donations to so ultimately if you're listening to this and going oh this feels like a lot of work it's only as important as
0: breathing, you know. When we think about money, it's in all things. You know, you, you we, can't get out of you can't get out of this life cycle with money. You, you have no, to beat it unless you, you, you go live on you go live on a co op or something <laughs> yeah, And of thing. And I've had clients who've had
1: trust funds they do this work too, like eh, negative dollars to, you know, $50 million. The work is the same because there's a human element to the shame around money and we all have it. So be gentle with yourself, have fun with it and know that every morning you can create a new relationship with it, but wealth begins within.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for the discussion. I love this so much. And uh, we'll have you have to have you back on again sometime. And we'll put everything in the show notes to connect, connect with Selena and all of the work that she can, uh, all the work she does and everything to help you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. My pleasure. Hey, Primal Blueprint listeners. Did you know that Primal Kitchen collagen peptides help support hair, skin, and nails? Well, we offer a variety of collagen products to suit everyone's palate, from unflavored to mango pineapple or golden turmeric to our keto matcha or chai tea collagen latte mixes and more. Visit us at primalkitchen.com and start fueling your day with collagen peptides. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. If you found your way to the primal path and want to help others live primally too, then visit primalhealthcoach.com to learn how you can join our mission to help 100 million people reclaim their health and how you can turn your passion for wellness into a profitable health coaching career that you love. The world needs health coaches. The world needs you. So visit primalhealthcoach.com today to learn more.